This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, December 19th, 2022. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. There's an unusual market for toys this year. It's adults. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, a Santa Claus rally. Not a gathering of Kris Kringles, but rather an annual surge in the stock market toward the end of December. To examine this financial phenomenon, we're joined now by Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington, D.C. And Mark, let's first explain, what exactly is the Santa Claus rally? Well, that is the question, because I think everyone during the month of December starts referring to any blip in the market upwards as a Santa Claus rally. And very few actually go to the trouble of defining exactly what it entails. I've gone back and looked at every possible definition that I've seen among the hundreds of advisors I monitor on a daily basis. And the only one that meets standards of statistical significance is a rally that starts the day after, the first trading day after Christmas, and lasts until the first two days of January. Um, Other than that, the market obviously will go up and down, so there will be times when the market will blip upwards, and you can call it a Santa Claus rally or not, but most of the time it's just simply random gyrations that the market goes through. So if we are going to expect to see this trend, if we can call it that, as you said, tough to define, but I'm curious what this rally means for investors sort of as we head into, I guess it starts Friday technically. Well, that's right. So it turns out that it really doesn't have anything to do with Santa Claus uh, or Christmas. What what happens is at the end of the year, there are two things that happen seasonally in the market that uh, will, of course, not always, but most of the time lead to a, a, a higher market. One of them is the, the fact that tax loss selling has uh, starts to abate as you get to the end of the year. This is uh, a practice that most investors at least contemplate and many go through, especially institutional investors, which is they'll sell their losses in order to realize losses that will offset capital gains that they would otherwise have to pay tax on. And of course, that has to be done by the end of the year. And a lot of people take off that last week of the year anyway. So most tax log selling, if it occurs to occur, actually comes to an end before Christmas. And so when you take away that selling pressure, the market can bounce back. And another thing that causes the market to do well in that uh, that week between Christmas and New Year's is a phenomenon known as uh, end-of-quarter window dressing. And this is a 
seems like a strange behavior, but a lot of people go through it in the institutional world. And that is that they try to make sure that they buy the stocks that have already done well, not because they can capture after the fact those gains, but rather in their end of quarter reports to their clients, they want to report that they own the stocks. And so it's, it's, it's really a marketing gimmick, but it turns out a lot of institutions, mutual funds and so forth will go through it. And that buying pressure will itself cause the market to go up. And so those are the two things that will lead almost certainly to at least an upward bias to the market and hopefully an actually higher market during those, uh, I think it's about five to seven business days or trading days between Christmas and the first two of January. Is any of this self-fulfilling prophecy of we expect it to happen and therefore it does? You know, that's a great question. And I think a lot of the seasonal tendencies, I mean, Wall Street loves to tell stories. I mean, you know, they'll talk about summer rallies and they'll talk about, uh, you know, something happening around Halloween. And then now Christmas, they talk about Santa Claus rally. They're always telling stories. And most of them have no statistical significance. But you're quite right. If enough people believe in it, then it does become self-fulfilling. In this particular case, though, with regard to the uh, the bi- upward bias between the end, of, you know, right before Christmas until the first couple of days of January, um, there is a lot of uh, statistical evidence that it's more than just self fulfilling. Because you look at the volume of uh, tax loss sales and so forth that happened as you approach the end of the year, it really does start to lighten up, and there is a lot of end of quarter window dressing, and that's more than just self fulfilling. Though you're quite right to point out the possibility that self-fulfilling prophecies may be adding an additional boost to this gain because it is a quite a regular pattern. Thanks so much. Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Coming up, we're looking to get a new car before 2023. There may still be a way to get that deal before year's end. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Looking to buy yourself a new car for Christmas? There may still be a way to secure a good deal. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, many adults are indulging in a rush of nostalgia by purchasing toys for themselves this holiday season. To look at this fast-growing toy market, we're joined now by Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business writer. And Jennifer, I'm guessing that uh, we all know that there are kids at heart, and who doesn't love a good toy every now and then? But adults are making up a shockingly large portion of the toy industry sales. Oh, indeed they are, Rachel. It is incredible, the the amount of it. And it's really, really happened. Like, some of this was kind of brewing before, you know, like 10, 12 years ago. And then the pandemic really put it all on fire. And right now, NPD Group, which is a research group, says that one-fourth of all sales, and that's $9 billion, one-fourth of all toy sales, are to what they call kid-outs. K-I-D-U-L-T-S, kid adults, and they're, um, and they're just buying, they're buying, a lot of this stuff is built on nostalgia, you know, and they're looking at things that they, you know, I read one thing about one woman who has a collection of American Girl dolls and is now like, American Girl is now making dolls for adults or dolls that look like the person themselves. So that's interesting. You're, you're, you're saying that toy makers are taking notice of this market and now designing products for this age group. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's really a lot of this is entertainment industry related toys. So, you know, think like Star Wars, Toy Story, maybe the Marvel um, superheroes, those kind of things. And so we've got a lot of those kind of toys coming up just for adults. 
And now we even have some of these toy makers, Hasbro and Mattel, for example, who are getting into the movie business so that they can then start to make toys, make movies that they can sell toys off of, which is, you know, a whole different thing. But a lot of this comes from, you know, I, I you know, thinking about it, and it's just how many people know of someone, uh, you know, an adult when they were a child who had a toy set, who had a train set. Mm-hmm. That's not a whole, that, that thinking is not a whole lot different. And then you look at like millennials, it, uh, for example, they were really, really heavily marketed with um, toys during movies and, and things like that. So the branding has really been picked up, the promotion to kids. And so now this becomes a nostalgia, kind of like a comfort zone for people if they can have a popular toy. Well, if you're looking if you're looking for a last minute gift for someone, maybe a toy is the right decision and the right uh, path to take. Thanks so much, Jennifer Waters, a Chicago-based business writer. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. New car prices are still high, but now may not be lost for those deal hunters as we head into the end of the year. Joining us with some key advice is Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter based in Detroit. And uh, Jeff, for those of us who maybe can't wait until next year and are looking for a bargain, what are some tips you have for us? Uh, Yeah, bargain is probably a little bit unrealistic, but, you know, high prices have cooled off a little bit because inventories are a little bit better. So pickup trucks actually have got better inventories than before. And, you know, maybe the other thing for car buyers is think of something close to what you want and, and settle for that as opposed to something that's exactly what you want. And are car dealerships willing to negotiate as we head into year's end, or are they sort of set in their ways and waiting until next year? Yeah, not as much negotiating as before, because they're more likely to negotiate when their inventories are, are you know, bloated and they have a lot of vehicles they've got to move. If you've been by a car dealer recently, you know those lots are empty, so there aren't many reasons to negotiate. There aren't many leftover products. But the good news is there are fewer and fewer reasons now for car dealers to add extra money onto the manufacturer's suggested retail price. So that's where things are getting a little bit better. And I'm guessing that the the best buyer is going to be one that does extensive research and maybe looks into, you mentioned a different make, maybe a different model, but maybe even to finding some incentives. Yeah, exactly. There aren't as many incentives as before, but there are still a few out there. Places like Edmunds.com, KellyBlueBook.com are, are great places to do research. But, but also there's that little bit of serendipity. If all of a sudden you're offered a good deal, you know, maybe you want to take it now because those good deals don't come along very often, but they do happen. Thanks so much, Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter based in Detroit. Coming up, a look at how to protect your credit cards from scammers, plus a visit with our Monday afternoon stock picker. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9.
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The January 6th committee will vote on criminal referrals at today's final public meeting, which is now underway. We'll have a special report from CBS News in a moment. Good news about gas prices for holiday travelers and the FBI now on the hunt for two men who robbed an uptown bank. WBBM business markets are trading lower. The Dow's down 121 points. NASDAQ off 121 as well. And the S&P 500 off 25 points. AccuWeather calls for some sunshine early this afternoon, followed by cloudy skies. will reach a high of just 28 degrees. Uh, doesn't get much cooler tonight. Low 26, maybe some snow showers in the north and western suburbs. A high tomorrow of 36 degrees under partly sunny skies. It's 1231. CBS News special report. The House Committee investigating the Capitol riot held is holding its final meeting today, calling January 6th an attempted coup by former President Trump. Committee Chair Benny Thompson. He lost the 2020 election and knew it, but he chose to try to stay in office through a multi-part scheme to overturn the results and block the transfer of power. CBS's Scott McFarland. A criminal referral, though, is not binding on the Justice Department. It's just that, a recommendation. But this weekend, committee member Adam Schiff argued there is enough evidence to warrant charges, enough evidence to charge Donald Trump. But Republicans are expected to respond soon. CBS's Deborah Alfarone. Most Republicans are standing by the former president, calling the House Select Committee's work partisan. They're also preparing a more than 100-page rebuttal to the committee's report. CBS News Special Report. I'm Monica Ricks. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The WBBM Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Stocks trading lower this afternoon. Joining us with the latest on what's moving Wall Street is Gary Coltbaum, president of Coltbaum Capital Management and a Fox News business contributor based in Orlando. And Gary, uh, what do you make of uh, what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Uh, nothing really good to tell you. In, in the last couple of weeks, the market went from paying attention to interest rates going up or down uh, to really uh, what I would call deteriorating economic numbers. I think there's a lot of worry about earnings going forward, which means there's a lot of worry about valuations, which means there's a lot of worry of where the market's headed. And right now it looks to be in very rough shape. And my biggest worry remains the same. Off of the lows in October, the NASDAQ and the NASDAQ 100 hardly even budged while the market was led by the Dow. Uh, That tells me that the risk appetite is not there uh, from the big institutional crowd. And if the the NASDAQ and NASDAQ 100 break the uh, bear market lows, I think we're going to have a rough first quarter. Well, we're coming off of two down weeks in a row. And I know that uh, the latest inflation report sparked just a little bit of a short-term boost, but it would seem that that with high interest rates, we're still seeing those long-term woes lingering, at least heading into this week and, and maybe next and into the new year. Yeah, well, again, the market now is uh, still worried about inflation, and it's still elevated uh, versus what we're used to over the many years. They're also worried about the Fed going too far to the upside after being too far on the downside. Uh, but I, I'm a big believer. I've been watching uh, manufacturing numbers. Uh, I've been watching watching service numbers and recently retail numbers. And with uh, uh, savings rates plunging and credit card usage is skyrocketing and 70 percent of the economy is the consumer, that's where my worry lies. And I'm pretty sure that's what the market is uh, 
saying right now, and the market does has a vo- have a voice, and uh, certainly it's speaking loud and clear this second. I think you've got to be very, very careful here. You mentioned some earning reports that investors are keeping an eye out this week. Can you mention a couple of them or, or what we're watching? Well, this week it's quiet. Uh, as we uh, go into the end of the year, I do know there's a like Nike is going to report in the Dow. I think Carnival Cruise and, and Mike Ron is reporting in semis. But I think what re- really the market's looking at uh, is the third week of January. That's when everybody starts reporting. And all I can tell you is I've been watching guidance, and guidance has been coming down in many, many areas of the market. And when guidance comes down, uh, that's where valuations come down. Again, that's what I think the market's yelling and screaming right now. And I'm not so worried about into the holiday, even though it's not acting well at all here. I'm more worried about into the first quarter as earnings come out, if we start to see a lot of misses and a lot of of, uh, downward guidance from companies. I wish I can give you better news, but I deal in reality and facts. And right now, reality, not so great. Well, I can appreciate your honesty, even if it does make us a little queasy. But I'm curious, if Wall Street's screaming at us so loudly, uh, do we need to put on earmuffs and avoid certain sectors? What should people be paying attention to? I I would stay so far away, and I've been this way for a year now, and that's technology and high growth rate stocks that led the bull market. Uh, They are under serious pressure, and they're even coming after – they've been coming after the big stalwarts that everybody said nothing could go wrong. And as I speak, Apple is on the verge of breaking very big long-term support. If that happens, that's big trouble because Apple, uh, $2 trillion plus – in market cap, and every dollar it moves is $16 billion in market cap. So a lot of watches to watch as we move forward. If you have to be invested, I'd just be utilities and quite boring at this juncture. Uh, it does not pay right now to go after the high flyers. All right. Well, keeping on your uh, somewhat pessimistic outlook here, what are your thoughts on, on concern of recession heading into the new year? I think we're going to be in one. Uh, We had one the first couple of quarters uh, of uh, 22, but we skirted that the last couple of quarters as the uh, government spending was huge, and that's part of GDP, as well as the consumer was okay. I I think we're going to go recession. uh, I don't know how bad. What I'm watching most closely and what everybody needs to watch closely is the job market that's been holding up like a rock. If we lose the job market, I can guarantee you we're going to see some uh, stiff GDP uh, numbers da- to, the, to the downside uh, as we move into the new year. That's the number one thing. That's the number two thing, number three thing. We need to make sure people keep their jobs. And you've been seeing inklings of, of job loss in a lot of areas in the last few months, uh, particularly recently on Wall Street. So, uh, again, I'm not so thrilled, but uh, uh, keeping fingers crossed. Well, we appreciate your brutally honest analysis, yeah, Gary Kolbaum. <laughs> Thanks so much. Gary is president of Kolbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. And coming up, we'll talk about credit card scams and how to avoid them. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Your credit cards are likely getting quite a workout this holiday season. It's something that card-skimming criminals are fully aware of. Joining us with some need-to-know advice is Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions based here in Chicago. And Jerry, I think a lot of us have sort of heeded the general warning of be on the lookout for credit card scams, but we don't even know exactly what to be looking for. So what are some of the common tactics that we're seeing at least around this holiday season? Well, RFID uh, scanning is is really popular. 
So, you know, somebody gets real close to you, and, you know, they don't have to be that close, but, uh, you know, a foot and a half to two foot away from you, you've got your, your credit card in your wallet or in your purse. They can copy all of the information on, off of those credit cards. You know, the ones that if, if you can use your credit card at a machine and not have to swipe it or not have to put it in, those contactless uh, credit cards, those uh, put out a electronic frequency that can be read with RFID skim- skimmers. So if you have something like that, you want to make sure that you have an RFID sleeve. You can buy them. They're fairly inexpensive, uh, but they block that electronic transmission. A lot of purses and wallets now are are actually being made uh, to protect from RFID. So uh, you can get a a purse organizer or whatever and put in there a purse sleeve and, and, and block all your credit cards. Uh, But the other thing are the actual uh, magnetic card reader skimmers. Now, these are things that people put into any any place that you stick your card into. So the gas pumps and gas pumps are being hit real hard right now across the country because people are traveling. So the other thing is these external ATMs you may see in a mall or at at a hotel. Sometimes those get hit as well. So anything that put you put your card in, they can put in a skimmer that will uh, basically copy all your information, and and then they have you. So is, before is this... you put your, I'm sorry, before no. you put your card in there, just feel and see if there's any plastic or anything that that you can feel in that slot, and if you can pull it out, that's a skimmer. That was going to be my question. Is it says Matt? It's just as simple as feeling for it or being able to pull it out of the pump, knowing or if anything like detaches or disconnects, that's a red flag. That's correct. That's correct. Anything that's like that. Now, some of them are stuck down in there, so you can't really find them. So just be careful and and you know watch your your uh, credit cards to see if there's any payments that uh, that aren't yours. Just quickly, I want to circle back to the RFID skimmers, uh, or rather, how long do you need to be standing near someone for it to capture all that information? Is it a matter of minutes? Is it seconds? seconds. Wow. It's seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just. I mean, think about it. How how fast does it take for you to touch your, not even touch, but wave your credit card over that reader so that you can make your payment? That's how fast they can grab your information. Thanks so much, Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions and member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based here in Chicago. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, a visit with our Monday afternoon stock picker. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and joining us with a pair of investment ideas is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, great to have you with us. What's your first pick? Uh, the first pick is uh, WW Granger. Symbol is GWW. Trades for about $560 per share. I like Granger. It's, it's a big industrial uh, distributor of manufacturing and industrial products. Uh, earnings are, and profits and revenues are going to be higher in 2023. The company's earnings estimates have been rising. And the company has beaten the earnings estimates in each of the last four quarters. So it's a company that's showing good operating momentum. And it's also a company in a segment of the market, kind of these growth cyclicals that have been outperforming this year and I think will continue to outperform at least through the first half of 2023. So that's WW Granger, symbol GWW trades for about $560 per share. All right. And your second pick? 
The second pick is American Express. The financial services company symbol is AXP. Trades for about $144 per share. Uh, again, uh, uh, things that are similar with Granger, similar with American Express. They are going to have higher profits and revenue in 2023. Uh, earnings estimates are rising, which is something you can't say for a lot of companies. And they've consistently beat earnings estimates. Uh, American Express is also a play on travel. And I think contrary to what a lot of opinions are, I think travel is going to hold up pretty well, even if we do have a a recession because of the pent-up demand for travel. And I think that works to American Express's benefits. So that's AXP is a symbol, trades for $144 a share. Uh, Both stocks have dividend yields of over 1%, so you do get a little bit of dividend cash flow if you own them as well. Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services based in Hammond, Indiana. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 